Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. This is episode six of the Hang Time with Halgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. This is my first episode during this COVID pandemic. Been meaning to do an episode for a while, finally getting on the mic, needed to do it. I know we've had minimal sports content so far during this pandemic, but I finally put some some things together on how I want to handle it moving forward. You know how the podcasts work. I go down the five biggest sports stories of the day. And, uh, you know, we're going to start it. Uh, Topic number one I want to get to is NFL free agents and the biggest moves of the NFL offseason thus far. That's really been the biggest news um, that we've had during this pandemic. So I think it's the first thing that we need to touch base with. The first one, biggest signing, biggest move has got to be Tom Brady the greatest quarterback ever, signing with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Mr. Tom Terrific is going to the Bucks. Two-year, $50 million, fully guaranteed. It's interesting. They move on from Jameis Winston after a 30-for-30 season. Uh, speaking of Jameis, he hasn't been signed yet, but I'll get to that in a few future episode. But, you know, if, if you have a chance to sign the greatest quarterback ever, I think you do it. Now, I know a lot of teams do have their franchise quarterback already uh, ready to go, but... If you're, if you're on the fringe of that and you don't know and you want a guy and you think you can win right away, you got to go after Tom Brady. And I think the Bucks are a great situation for him to do that. Uh, you know, I know they say he struggled last year, but what offensive weapons did he really have in New England? Uh, Edelman was hurt. Antonio Brown played all of one game. Josh Gordon was out multiple games. He didn't have his superstar tight end in Gronk. It just... There were no offensive weapons for Brady to thrive. And Brady's at the point where his career, where he needs other guys to make plays. And I think that's what's going to happen in Tampa Bay. Got a lot of offensive weapons there. A lot of offensive weapons. Starting with the wide receiver, Mike Evans. It's just, it's going to be dangerous. I think it's going to be real dangerous. I think Bruce Arians is a quarterback whisperer. He knows how to get the most out of a guy. And I know it didn't really work with Jameis as much as it, it did work. He, you know, he threw for 30 touchdowns, over 5,000 yards, but he threw 30 interceptions. But I think that's because Jameis is inconsistent and a little inaccurate and sometimes and believes in his arm a little too much, kind of like Brett Favre did. But I think Tom Brady is going to work well there. They have all the weapons in the world to make it happen. They have a solid defense. Uh, I, I think Tom will really work in Tampa Bay. And uh, at this point, that's got to be the best division in football. Got to be. You look at the Falcons. You look at the Bucks, you look at the Saints, and you look at Carolina. All those teams can win 10 games, every single one of them. I don't see how they couldn't. I don't see how each team can't be optimistic and think they can't win the division and make a run at the Super Bowl. With how much talent is there, you know, we got to see. And that's why I want football to get going back to, you know, just everyone wants the sports world to get back to normal, and we want to see it. And, uh, you know, the draft's coming up soon, but I think Tom Brady – the greatest quarterback of all time, can make it work in Tampa Bay. It's going to be really interesting to watch. I think that's the biggest signing um, at this point. Second biggest one is another top five quarterback of all time, in my opinion, Mr. Drew Brees. Drew Brees re-signs with the Saints, two years, 50 million, same, same deal as Brady, and deservably so. He's been the unquestionable leader for the Saints since 2006, and uh, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it. They had to bring him back. You know, 
if he wants to re-sign, Drew Brees is allowed to sign. Um, I th- once again, like I said, I think that's the best division in football. Why would you get rid of him? If he still has anything left in the tank, I know they've underperformed in the playoffs the past few years, but how could you let go of one of the greatest quarterbacks ever? I know the Patriots did it, but that's Bill Belichick. This, you know, the Saints, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, they have a close-linked relationship. They still have an oct- high-octane offense with Kamara. It's just, you, you got to bring back Drew Brees. And I, I think that's where he needs to finish his career. He's, he, won, he won the Super Bowl for them back when Hurricane Katrina hit. You know, it was big for the city. It's just Drew Brees is, he is New Orleans. That's where he belongs. That's where he should finish his career. That, and, you know, the Saints did the right thing, signed him, made it happen. And uh, I think it's a good deal. I think it's, it's the right thing for Drew to do to go back to them. And uh, it's the right thing for the Saints to do and to re-sign him. Because I think he's better than Bridgewater at this point. And I will get to Bridgewater, but that'll be a future episode. We'll save some of my content, like I said. But Drew Brees re-signing with the Saints, definitely necessary. I think he's the fifth greatest quarterback of all time. It's, uh, it's the right move for both him and the Saints to do and keeps them in Super Bowl contention for the next two years or as long as Drew's there. And then when Drew retires, uh, apparently they're grooming him to be the, the next color commentator to replace Chris Collinsworth. He's already signed a contract with NBC Sports once he steps away from the game of f- football and moves into the broadcast booth. So it'll be great to hear Drew Brees talk about the game, dissect the game. But uh, until now, it's going to be great to watch him play for who that? Who that? The Saints. Third, third biggest move of the offseason has got to be DeAndre Hopkins getting traded. Now, I know everyone wants to jump down Bill O'Brien's throat, but I mean, uh, I don't know how you, how you can defend his decision in getting rid of debatably the best wide receiver in the league. I think he is, I don't know who else you could debate other than him. Julio Jones, it's those two. It's those two. Those are the two best receivers in the league, in my opinion. Those two right there. They're just absolute studs. And Hopkins was traded. It was a big trade. It was DeAndre Hopkins and a 2021 fourth-round pick were traded to the Cardinals for David Johnson, a 2020 second-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick. Now, I, I just don't understand how you could get rid of him. I know he still had years on his deal, and he wasn't getting paid like a top 15 guy, even though he's one of the most valuable receivers in the league. He's great friends with Deshaun Watson. And how you do not get a first-round pick for this guy is just mind-boggling. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. I really do not know what, what the Texans were thinking on this one. I know he has years on his deal and wants more money, but gosh, you you got to pay a guy. When you have a guy like that who works well with a quarterback, you got to make the move. You got to make the move to sign him. You have to. You have to. Uh, He's been by far one of the best receivers in the league year in, year out. What what has he shown you that he hasn't been able to do? I I just really do not understand what the Bucs were thinking on this one. Just not a good decision. I don't think it was a good decision. Excuse me, not the Bucks, the Texans. It's just not a good decision on their part. Not, not even close. You know, if, if you look at it, 
I, like I said, I think Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins are the two best receivers. I know Michael Thomas might have something to say about that. Even you know, I forgot to mention uh, Chris Godwin with the Bucks when I was mentioning they're a high octane offense for Brady. Yeah, th- those are the guys. Those are them right there. Those are the best receivers in the league. It doesn't get much better than that. And to trade them away, it's shocking. Shocking for sure. Hawkins certainly had something to say about it. He was actually funny on uh, Instagram the other day saying, if he could make it work with Brock Osweiler, how could you not believe he can, you know, he's one of the best receivers in the league? And you got to agree with him. I don't know where Brock Osweiler is anymore. And DeAndre Hopkins still looked like an all-pro player with him throwing him the ball. So, weird trade. I know the Texans needed a running back, so they got David Johnson, but he's been hurt a lot. He, he I know he was all-pro in 2016, but a lot of injuries. A lot of injuries. And he's 28 years old. He averages 3.7 yards per carry the past two seasons. It's... um. I really, I really don't know what, what the Texans were going with. And how you don't get a first-round draft pick for DeAndre Hopkins is absurd. Absolutely absurd. Just, mm. Bill O'Brien, figure it out. Hey, Texans, go sign a real GM. Like, hire someone to do that job and not the head coach. Because it's not Bill. Bill O'Brien should not be doing both duties. He should not be the GM and coach. You need someone else in the room to at least figure some things out. The fourth biggest move has got to be another wide receiver who I think is the sixth best receiver in the league right now, Stephon Diggs. He was traded to the Bills after you know the Vikings wide receiver was getting disgruntled. He unfollowed everything with the Vikings. He just wanted out. And it was very unhappy with them. And, uh, you, you know, can't blame him. You know, they believed in Adam Thielen more than him. And, uh, you know, he had the Minnesota Miracle and, uh, you know, that's kind of been an aftershot. And, you know, I haven't really heard about Stefan Diggs a lot. And uh, he was traded to, you know, the Buffalo Bills. The, the deal was uh, Diggs and a 2027th round pick to the Bills for a 2021st, 5th, and 6th round pick. And then a 2021 4th round pick. And, that, and I think DeAndre Hopkins is better than Diggs. And yet the, the Vikings got a first round pick out of the Bills for Diggs. And <laughs> Here the Texans are not even getting a first-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. It's hire a GM, but not to just pick on them so much. But I think this is a great deal for the Bills. They add to a team that made the playoffs, that looked solid, has a great defense. All they need to do is add to the offense, and they did that. Giving Josh Allen a little more firepower. Diggs is young, 26 years old. It's, uh, it's, it's a good deal. It is a good deal, and the compensation is just greatly higher, just so much higher than what DeAndre Hopkins was giving up for. It's just it's hard to rationalize what the Texans were doing, but, you know, a great deal. Uh, Diggs is a phenomenal player. I'm excited to see him in Buffalo, and I think Allen, of all the young quarterbacks, I know he plays up in Buffalo, and he's been a little inaccurate, but I think he's going to start putting it together this next year and really show what he's capable of doing because they already made the playoffs. They're already a playoff contending team. Now that Tom Brady's out of New England, that division, Bills, that's your division to lose, at this, how I see it because you know the Patriots are going to take a step back with no Tom Brady. I know Miami got a little better, but 
Bills, this is your division. It's time for you to reign supreme in this division for years to come. Don't blow it. And they're not. Already off to a good start by getting digs. And if anything, you can only see them doing more. So, uh, great deal for the Bills. You know, Vikings, it was time to get rid of him. Uh, You know, you don't get any players out of it. You get picks. So, hopefully the Vikings, well, I think they, hopefully they screwed up because I'm a Bears fan. So, uh, you know, let's go Bears, but... Yeah, I don't, Vikings, you know, had to get rid of a guy who doesn't want to be there. So, but good good on Diggs going to a playoff contending team. Fifth free agent, well, not really free agent, a guy who was released and then signed by a team. His name, Mr. Todd Gurley. Now, I know, I know Gurley's been hurt the past few years, and his contract is absurd. But I think it's a good place for Gurley to go back to. I really do. They signed him to a one-year deal. It's a low risk. I think it could pay off really big for a team that, you know, has been inconsistent since losing that Super Bowl, but they still have all the talent. They still have Julio Jones. They still have Matt Ryan. Now bringing in a premier running back in Todd Gurley. Obviously, he's not going to be his prime self because of the injuries, but he can still be a productive player. He can still get the job done and make things happen and and do what needs to be done. Gurley's a beast. He's definitely still a number one running back. And uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Like I said, I think that division's the best in football. I, I don't think it's close. I think of when you look at all the rosters, all of the teams that are there, uh, it's, that's the best division. That's the toughest division. And just think of those quarterbacks, too. Now that Bridgewater is in Carolina, you got... Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater. That's tough. That's a tough division. That is a tough. That will get you ready for the playoffs. Whoever comes out of that division, I think two teams will make it to the playoffs. And apparently, we're going to have a playoff expansion. So, could three teams possibly make it from that division? We'll see. But going to be a good season moving forward. But you know, I know Gurley will be a shell of himself. But it it was the right move. Falcons needed some more offensive firepower and uh, they did just that and I still think Gurley can get the job done really do really do think he can get the job done second enough with the free agent second biggest thing I want to talk about is you know we're going to stick with the NFL big signing today someone signed an extension and his name Christian McCaffrey he is now the richest running back in the NFL as he signs an extension with the Panthers, he is now going to make now going to make 16 million a year, whereas Zeke only makes 15 million a year, and Le'Veon Bell makes 14.1. So Christian McCaffrey, the new highest paid, he signs a four-year extension worth over 80 million dollars, and uh, you know, good for him. He deserves it. He's an absolute beast. He's a, won't turn 24 till June 17th. He's now he'll now be on Carolina through 2025. It's you know this was his coming into this year his last year on his rookie deal. Uh, you know they they're starting the rebuild process. But like I said, it's the best division in football. I know they went five and eleven last year, letting go of Ron Rivera. But it you know it was time to change things around. You know they got rid of Newton, bringing in the new face of the franchise, Christian McCaffrey. Now we got another athletic young quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, who's shown that he's capable of winning games, uh, just like he showed 
uh, how he was able to replace Drew Brees last year and went undefeated. It's a, it's a good move. And when you look at it, McCaffrey is worth every penny. Touches, 53%, ranked first. Scrimmage yards, 44% first. Scrimmage TDs, 51% first. The NFL high, 2,392 yards from scrimmage. The guy's a beast. The guy is a beast coming out of Stanford. I got to say, I didn't see it coming. I didn't think he would be this good, but he's been every bit as good as he you know, said he was going to be. And good for McCaffrey. He deserves every penny. The guy is an absolute stud and um, actually makes him the highest paid running back in NFL history. So if that means anything to anyone anymore, I think contracts will just keep going up. But for a running back, it says a lot. It says a lot. It says if you can be a highly productive running back, you're getting paid. You're getting paid, and I know people like to think that you can just shuffle out running backs and replace them. No, if you get a good running back, you need to sign that running back. I know their their careers don't last as long as other positions because they get so much wear and tear and they get beat up a lot in the trenches, but McCaffrey's a beast. He deserves it. So good for McCaffrey. Congratulations on your new extension. Highest paid running back in NFL history. Enjoy it. I don't know what you're going to do now. Buy a lot of takeout food. Really get after it here in this COVID for this COVID pandemic. But uh, third topic I want to get to. Today, Kendrick Nunn came out and said he should be rookie of the year. He, he said that with how the team has been playing, wins are the most important thing. And he's the rookie leading the heat, even though they have Jimmy Butler and Bam Anabio, and they have a lot of other guys. You know, he's been a starter. He started all the games for the heat. And um, he says he should be rookie of the year. Now, I think he puts up a great case. I think he, his, his numbers speak for themselves. And I think it is really a two-man race since Zion has only played a handful of games. It's really between two guys. It is between none. And the other guy is John Morant. And he said he's the only one, he's the only rookie on a winning team. And I think Nunn did forget about Jaw, or he was just slighting him in this instance. Because Morant right now has the Grizzlies. If the playoffs started today, the Grizzlies would be the eighth seed. And Jaw Morant is their best player. Far and away. Now, I'm going to compare the two players right here. And their stats are very identical, which is why, you know, Nunn has a good case. You know, none, none really, you know, is it's not it's not just Jaw running away with it. You know, Kendrick Nunn has had a great season. I think maybe because he he wasn't a high pick in the draft and anything like that. I think that's why he's going a little unnoticed here. You know, Morant, second overall pick, he's expected to succeed. He's done just that. But uh we're gonna go with Nunn's stats first. Nunn shooting We'll round up. We round up in this class. None shooting 45% from the field, 36% from three. His effective field goal percentage is uh, 53%. He's shooting 84% from the free throw line. He averages, what do we got here? 2.7 rebounds a game, 3.4 assists. Plays pretty good defense, 0.8 blocks. Uh, Doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And he averages 15.6 points a game. That's great for a rookie to be playing along, to be playing on a winning team, playing along Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, those are great numbers for a rookie. You gotta love it. He's played and started all 62 games. He averages just 
you know, we're rounding up. He averages 30 minutes a game. And, uh, yeah, Nunn's been great. He definitely has a case. And I feel like he needs to speak out because no one has talked about, you know, he had a nice, people talked about him at the start of the year, but no one has given him any recognition since then. So I think he does need to plead his case a little bit. But the guy I think who should win Rookie of the Year is Ja Morant. And, you know, here's the reason why. The stats for Morant are, you know, really close. They're really identical to what uh, to what Nunn has done. He started and played in 59 games. Uh, he's shooting 49% from the field, 37% from three. His effective field goal percentage... 52%. He's shooting 70% from the 77% from the free throw line. He gets 3.5 rebounds a game and he averages 7 assists. And to go along with that, he averages 17.6 points a game. And now I think Mar- Morant should win because he as a rookie is truly carrying his team to the playoffs. The Grizzlies if they didn't have him would not be in playoff contention. And whereas I think the Heat, without none, would be in playoff contention. They still have enough pieces there to where I think they would still be in playoff contention, especially in the Eastern Conference. Especially in the Eastern Conference, the Heat would still be right there. And um, But with Morant going away, he, he should win. With Morant going away from the Grizzlies, they wouldn't be winning. So he should win Rookie of the Year. And, so, and you know, his numbers are... You know, that not that much more impressive, but, you know, more assists, more points. You know, it matters. It matters. And he plays in the tougher conference, too. And he's been a beast in the tougher conference. He's done some things. I know he's more of the highlight guy, almost jumping over Kevin Love, baptizing Baines on a couple dunks. It's just his dunks are electrifying. Incredible athleticism from a point guard who... Couldn't be more than 6'1", 6'2". He's an absolute beast. And I don't want to take anything away from Nunn. I think Nunn should be second in voting. And, yeah, he's had a great season as well. But with how Morant has played and how the season has gone, particularly for the Grizzlies, uh, he's, he's been their most valuable player. Whereas, I don't know if you can say that about Nunn. I don't know if you can say he's been their most valuable player. But you can definitely say without Morant on the Grizzlies, they wouldn't be 32 and 33. They wouldn't be the eighth seed in the playoffs and have a three and a half game advantage over the Trailblazers and the Pelicans and the Kings in that regard. Just wouldn't. Just absolutely wouldn't. So I'm giving not, I would give my vote if I actually had one to John Morant. But, you know, I'm sure Kendrick Nunn just going the whole year of hearing his name for the first couple weeks as a nice story, and then all of a sudden Morant has a big year, Zion comes back, it's just, none's not getting any love. So I feel he needs to speak his mind, especially now with nothing going on, and he has a good case. None is a great player. You know, the Heat, and, you know, he is right. Wins matter. Wins matter. They're 41 and 24. Would they be that without him? Mm, Probably, I don't think they'd have that many wins. Not with his production, but they would still be, one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, I think. They'd definitely be better than the Nets. Definitely better than the Magic. You know, they'd be fighting right there with those top six spots. And they're in the Eastern Conference. So, none has a good case, but my vote goes to Morant. And, uh, yeah, so, good try, none. You know, I love believing in yourself. 
keep working. You're a dog, but Morant's going to win Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. But we'll move on. Topic number four. Um, I think people need to realize that there is such thing as oversaturation. And what I mean by that is the XFL files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy after suspending operations. And uh, with the oversaturation, there is such thing as too much football. There is such thing as too much of something. And um, when are we just going to accept that spring football doesn't work? I know it's the most popular sport. And it's not even close when you look at TV ratings and sponsorship deals and everything like that. The NFL is by far and away. That shield is bigger than all the other sports. It's not even close. But that does not mean we need spring football. We just don't. I think there's enough news and things going on in football where we don't need spring football. We tried this last year with the AAF. I actually worked for an AAF team, the Orlando Apollos. It didn't last. They made it eight weeks in the season, and they couldn't afford to. They couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford the travel. They couldn't afford to fly team, just you know, team personnel, not the players, team personnel to games. I remember they had to fight for me just to get on the plane to go to the last two games before the season was canceled. Our team reporter didn't even travel for the past last three games. And they couldn't even feed team personnel on the plane coming to and from cities. It just, financially, it just wasn't there for the AAF. Whereas, you know, the XFL did pretty good. You know, the ratings did pretty good. The stadiums looked full. You know, the, the football was entertaining. Guys have gotten jobs from it. And I think it's a good way for guys to get exposure, but... It just it just doesn't work, and it just hasn't worked the past two years. I just they laid off all their employees, suspended operation, filed for bankruptcy. It just it just I just don't think we should have spring football, and this is a sign. This is a sign of this coming through and canceling this league. That it's not necessary. It's not necessary. You know, will will someone try it again? I certainly hope not, because I think there's just enough football news and in the media circles to be going around. The NFL, free agency, I think will now be a bigger thing. This offseason showed it. There are a lot of moves. Guys are going to be more understanding of their contracts to be able to get out of them sooner to make moves so they're not locked up long term. I think that's just how the league is going to go. There's always news. This is the biggest news was free agent signings and trades and all that. That was the biggest news so far since they canceled sports. And it was already top news when you were talking about MLB season starting up and the NBA season winding down and moving into the playoffs. It it was still up there with the top news. And it doesn't even include what college football is doing recruiting wise and all of that. There is enough news out there going on for football that we do not need spring football we we just don't it just can we please stop can we please stop trying to do spring football i think it's unnecessary it's not something we need it's definitely not something we need there is such thing as oversaturation there is such thing as too much of a good thing enjoy the nfl especially now with them adding games 
especially now with them possibly consider expanding the draft. There's there's already a lot of NFL news and football news going on. There's no need for us to continue to watch football in the spring. And frankly, I don't know anyone who even watched the XFL religiously or paid attention to games like that. I know viewership, they did pretty well. You know, they would average, you know, like 5 million viewers a game, which is pretty good. You got to be impressed with those numbers, but it's those are diehard football fans who just want to watch football. Is it really necessary? No, because regular NFL games for the biggest ones, you know, we'll get over 100 million viewers. So let's let's end spring football. Let's end it. Just come to an end. Just it doesn't need to exist. Let's just accept the NFL and college football for what it is in the fall and enjoy that. Be happy with that, people. Be happy with that. Because eventually there's going to be too much football and people are going to get annoyed with it. And I hope that's not the case. But that's how I see it going if we try and have too much football going on. That's how I see it. Fifth topic I want to get to is um, kind of a little out there, in my opinion. Mr. Mark Cuban says he's not ruling out a late third-party run for the president due to the coronavirus. And... Mark Cuban, direct quote, I'm not going to say no. You just don't know what could happen between now and November. I'm going to just read a little snippet. Mark Cuban, 2020. You know, Mavericks are one of my favorite basketball teams, so he would already get my vote because I think he's one of the best owners in sports. You know, he, he changed the game for sports franchises. You know, they were the first NBA team to have a private plane. You know, it just he's, cha- he's changed the game. For professional sports, he's always been outspoken, sits right there, right next to the players, has a great relationship with all of his players. It's a tight niche group there in Dallas. You know, I just like what Mark Cuban does. I really do. He says he was he would run as a third-party candidate, which I'm a big fan of. You know, he'd run independently, so good for him going that route. I wonder who he would get with uh, his vice president. But anyways, I'm going to read a little... Uh, from the transcript right here. Unique circumstances, you just never know. I would have considered it prior to a month ago. I would have never considered it uh, prior. Excuse me. Let me try this again. Unique circumstances, you just never know. I never would have considered it prior to a month ago, but now things are changing rapidly and dramatically. There's different ways to get through these issues. You mentioned I'm not saying no, but it's not something I'm actively pursuing. I'm just keeping the door open. And, uh, you know, I hope Cuban runs. He'd get my vote. I think he, you know, I don't know how he would be as president. I don't know any of his policies. Frankly, he just happens to own one of my favorite sports franchises. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm not judging him on the policies because, frankly, I don't even know. But he's definitely been one of the most outspoken voices during this corona pandemic. He's had some optimistic looks of saying the league will start May 1st. He's kind of backed off of that a little bit. He's gone at Trump on Twitter. It's just he's just an energetic, exciting business guy who makes business moves. You know, billionaire is just I think I think he's hilarious. I think he's awesome. And you know, I'm a big fan of his sports team. Call it a little bias if I would vote for him for that reason. But, you know, Mark Cuban, 2020. Who's making the shirts first? You know, give it up for the Cubes. You, you know what? Run, Cuban. You got my vote. I'm endorsing Mark Cuban, 2020. 
Let's make it happen, people. Let's make it happen. And, um, you know, that's the, those are the five things that I want to get to. Not a whole lot going on. You know, I know this Corona pandemic, I usually like to end the podcast with something I'd like to do as an unpopular opinion. I think I covered that with spring football, but there is something I do want to talk about. And, uh, some very sad news today about, uh, an NBA player, Carl Anthony Towns mother passed away due to the coronavirus um, complications. Very unfortunate. You know, she was in a coma because of it. She was just 58 years old. Incredibly sad. Um, Very unfortunate. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Carl Anthony Towns and his family. You know, it's just, just horrible. Just horrible what's going on. You know, it truly is affecting a lot of lives for sure. You know, almost 2 million cases worldwide. It's just, it's really sad. It is just really sad, you know, to lose a loved one. Uh, it just sucks. Uh, Jacqueline Cruz Towns, uh, the mother of, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, passed away on this Monday. It's just, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And, uh, you know, it's tough. It's got to be, t- I know it's tough dealing, losing a family member. It's just absolutely brutal. So, um, you know, stay strong. Stay strong, Towns, you know, be strong, you know, all you can do is, you know, talk to people um, about, you know, this situation, the seriousness that, you know, this is something to take seriously, and, uh, you know, it's just, sometimes that's the way it is, and it's very unfortunate, it's very unfortunate, Towns, so our thoughts and prayers are with you, I know a lot of NBA players have reached out to him on social media, and, you know, have been saying their best wishes, so it's, uh, it's just unfortunate just awful to hear you know he's been posting things on social media about it you know he talked about it um just terrible uh just absolutely awful so uh our thoughts are with you towns you know r.i.p to your mom and uh hopefully you know she's up in heaven looking down on you and will always be there to protect you and then uh the final you know send off that i want to give is to uh a guy who played in the nfl former quarterback uh, Tavares Jackson, uh, former quarterback for the Vikings and Seahawks, he passed away today, not from the coronavirus, but died uh, Sunday night in a car crash. He was just 36. It's just, mm, death is just terrible. It's terrible. I know it's a part of life, but it is just, it is just really sad. It is, uh, you know, I knew him. He was around when I was growing up. He was, you know, a consistent backup in the league and you know, regardless of his sports career, it's just sad to, you know, hear about someone dying and passing away. Um, yeah, died in a car crash, just horrible. So thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Um, you know, he's, it was, he's got a wife, three kids. It's just terrible. It's absolutely terrible. So thoughts and prayers are with the Jackson family as well. Yeah, it's, it's been a rough 2020, people. It's been a rough 2020, and we're only in April. And you just got to hope times are going to get better and hope for the best and be positive and just, because we need some positivity in this world. We need some positivity in this world because it's been brutal this year. Absolutely brutal. But that's the end of episode six. Uh, I'm going to start coming out with more episodes. Finally, you know, some content has been coming out with sports. We've needed it. I'm going to start pumping out more episodes here moving forward. So I hope you enjoyed listening. Until next time, I'm out.
Peace, deuces, enjoy it. And remember, stay healthy and wash your damn hands.